Did you know there are tools that you can use to help your child with those pesky transitions? It's true. In episode 112, you learned four steps to make these transitions easier for your child. And today, we're going to add three tools to those steps. So those steps are what we say, and these are three tools we can use. By the end of this episode, you will have three more ways to make your life easier. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Clients that apply the strategies that I taught in episode 112 and tools added that I explained today often come back to me, just surprised and overwhelmed at the change in their household because they realize that how they're approaching their child is how the child reacts to them. I got another one of these emails this week, so it is a joy to give you this information. And when I work one-on-one with people, we can talk specifically how to do it with your child in your setting. So if that is of interest to you, one-on-one coaching enrollment is open again. So please contact me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com and we can have a conversation about how we might work together and to see if we are a good fit. All right, let's get into today's show. So what are the tools that you can use to help your child with those transitions? Now in episode 112, we talked about a strategy to make transitions easier for your child. We talked about the things you would say your verbal cues, steps, how you can talk to your child to help your child make those transitions, anticipate that there's going to be a transition so that it's not so shocking, and also the things you can say so they know that this isn't a permanent stripping of the fun from them. Because our kids, of course, don't really understand time the same way we do either. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back to 112 
and listen in, and I will have it linked in the show notes below. Now, in addition to those verbal strategies, here are some things today that we'll talk about that are going to help both you and your child to be able to transition even more easily. And for our kiddos that have trouble with the transitions, the words might not be enough. For our kiddos that have communication delays or disorders, the words are definitely not enough. So let's add some tools in that is going to make life easier for you and for your kiddo. One tool that I like to use and I use regularly, whether I am with students or my grandchildren, is a timer. And I am quite literally talking about the simplicity of using the timer on your phone. There's a couple of reasons that that works so well. One reason is because how often do we get busy with another child or cooking and we say to our child, I want you to be done in 10 minutes. But within that 10 minutes time, we get totally distracted. And so sometimes the 10 minutes is 30 minutes and then we're mad that they hadn't stopped themselves and moved on. And yet we couldn't keep track of the time ourselves either. And that is so true. Like in the busyness, you know it. In the busyness of the day, it is very easy for time to escape us. So the timer is for us as parents, but it is also for our children. And here's why. When you do this often enough with your child, they learn that they aren't to argue with you because the two of you are both listening to the timer. And if they get mad at the timer, it no longer is a relationship issue between you and them. You are both obeying the timer together. It gives you an opportunity to say, the timer told me so. You can agree with your child with their big feelings. I know it's disappointing. I'm disappointed too sometimes when the timer goes off, but the timer is right and we must listen. They get to see compliance in action. They get to feel seen and heard as the two of you together go comply with the timer. Obviously, you know the rest of the story, and they will learn the rest of the story as they get older. But in this interim of time, it really helps them to learn how to handle those big feelings, those big emotions that come up when disappointment is happening. So that's your first tool, a simple timer. Your grandmother used to use an egg timer, and now we have the sophistication of our smartphones that we can use. The second thing that I will give you is what we call a visual schedule. I wish I could remember which episodes I talked about a visual schedule in. I cannot remember right now, so if any of you happen to know, please tell me. That would be great for everybody. So I will say again what a visual schedule is. A visual schedule is a picture list of the things that are going to happen. In order to make a picture schedule work, you will need to introduce the pictures and pair the three-dimensional objects or the experiences with the picture, these things if they're young. And if kids are older, they already understand the two-dimensional representation of real life, and you can put those in order to help them say, this is what's first, then we do this, and then we do this next thing. If your child is a reader, 
You can do the same with words. To put it outside of their memory, outside of their body, they can look at it on a piece of paper, chalkboard, refrigerator magnets, whatever you want to use, something that they can see where the pictures represent what goes on. With our youngest kids, we put the pictures in order of what happens next. With our children that understand time, we can put a time next to those different events. So this is adaptable for whatever skill level your child is at right now. The adult version is a list because we too are helped by having something to remind us of the things we want to accomplish in a day. Now, some of you will take that idea and know how to apply it to your kids because you've done some things like this before. And some of you might be puzzled on how to apply this strategy. And if you are, email me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com and I will be happy to help you through that or even schedule a Zoom call that we can talk about it as it would apply to your child. The biggest tip that I give to parents that are doing a visual schedule is to keep things so simple because your child is going to wreck it. Make it a simple piece of paper with a line drawing because as they carry it around and they look at it, they smush it in their hands, they get food on it, and you don't want to have a lot of time and attention going into it. You want to be able to replace it easily. So I don't recommend that you go on your computer and make a fancy picture and laminate it. I think that's really time and energy intensive. Furthermore, as our kids get more sophisticated and they understand the whole process, these pictures will go away. They aren't needed anymore. They are a stepping stone. But they are also a very important stepping stone, particularly if you have a child that has a communication delay, speech delay, language delay, any of those terms. If you heard those terms from your school or you wonder about it, if you are dealing with any kind of diagnosis that impacts your child's ability to comprehend or to express themselves, these pictures are wonderful stepping stones to build the skills of speech and language that we want them to gain. Now, how does this help with transitions? These picture schedules will give the warning, like we talked about in episode 112. The pictures are seen ahead of time, so it gives your child a bird's eye view of the day, and then you can put a paper clip or hand the picture to the child some way to identify for the child that this particular picture is what we're doing right now. And then when that picture is all done, it goes to the done space, and then you can get the next picture. It helps your child to know ahead of time the whole schedule and then to pick out the piece that is happening now. It helps to eliminate surprises. Now, what is the third thing? The third thing is an abacus. I don't know how many of you remember an abacus from, some people call it abacus, and you remember it from elementary school. It is simply 10 beads on 10 rows that you can slide those beads back and forth in order to help a child know what we call one-to-one correspondence. So I did one thing, I move one bead. I did one more thing, I move one one more bead. This is effective when you want to help your child to complete several steps before they are allowed to do the next thing. For example, maybe you want your child to eat six bites 
or maybe you want your child to put 10 toys away, or they have to complete so many laps running around the room, or something like that. It is the same principle as helping keep score, so you know who's winning in your air hockey game, or who won how many checker games. It's also the same principle as keeping tallies. This is a tool I use very little, though I know some families have really, really found success in it because some children really like to document and mark as they go to see their progress along the way. As we compare that to adults, it's kind of like those of us that love to see things crossed off the list. And if you're somebody that writes something on your list just so you can cross it off to see, I did that, I completed that, it's the same kind of thing for these kiddos. You do not need to go out and buy an abacus in order to check to see if it's something that you can use with your child. You can put 10 spoons in a cup, and when the 10 spoons are in the cup, it represents the 10 things that your child needed to do. Maybe those spoons are on the counter, and each time he completes a task, you give him a spoon and he puts it in the cup. If your child thrives with this method, Maybe an abacus would be in order for your family. Simple, simple things like that are what can help your child get from one thing to the next. So how do you use this with transitions? This would be the kind of thing that you practice with your child. Maybe you're going to have your child practice changing activities. Warn your child ahead of time. We are practicing changing the activity we're doing. So we're going to do it three times. You're going to play with me in this game, but before we're done with this game, we're going to stop when the timer goes off. And then we are going to go watch TV. But before we get to see what's going on in the story, we are going to stop it and we're going to start a book. And before we finish, we're going to go back to our game. We're only going to practice three changes just to help you learn that when the timer goes off, how do we do it? We do it happily. Obviously, if we do this a long period of time, it's going to aggravate the child in us. But it is something that you can use an abacus to help your child see that we have done one, we have done two, now we have done three. You can celebrate the success with your child wherever the success was found, and then you go back to whatever it is that you want to do. It just sets a real clear target for you to say to your child, here's exactly what we're practicing today. We're changing from one thing to the next. We're practicing changing. We're practicing stopping this and starting this happily. It just makes it simple and clear and practicable. You know your child, parents. So if any of these tools sound like they would be effective for your kiddo, try it. Jump in. And again, if you're not sure how to apply these things to the specific task or problem or communication issue that you are having with your child, feel free to email me or schedule one of those 15-minute Zoom sessions that you will find in the show notes. I wish you much joy and happiness as you use these three tools to try to help your kiddo with transitions. And remember to partner it with the language that was used in episode 112. Blessings to you and know I am always cheering you on.
Contact me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com, and we can discuss if we are a good fit to work together. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.